thank you to Viano and Sean and Simon for leading us today in, uh, in musical worship. And uh, these gentlemen have done a super job uh, over the last few months, almost every single Sunday. Uh, it's been a kind of a hybrid model for us. Either we've been um, at the Bible College with a stream, or we've been in the theater, sometimes with a stream only, sometimes with people as well. And it looks like today is going to be the last day that we do a stream only. So this helps us, actually. There's nobody in the room except our technicians and our band. Uh, but this helps us to iron out some bugs. It helps us to play around with technology. And uh, we have a reduced cost because there's nobody else here. So it's just a helpful tool for us. Helps us with the budget a little bit. But starting next week, we're going to be right back here with people in the room every single Sunday. Uh, and so we're praying that uh, the lights would get greener and greener and there would be less and less restrictions and so on. But welcome today and thank you for tuning in with us on Pentecost Sunday, okay? And I would invite you to hit that share button uh, if you are watching on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, please do that and if you're on YouTube, like us, subscribe to us. Uh, try to make the content such that you can share it with a person who's not a Christian and you won't be embarrassed, okay? While this is a church, we really want to reach people who don't know Christianity and uh, people who are uh, very distant from it, and uh, we, we use a, a tagline in our church to reach the one who's far from God so that together we would become passionate followers of Jesus, all right? So today we're doing part six of the series, Losing My Religion. We're talking about milk to solid food. We'll get in, into that in just a few moments, but wanted to give you a couple of quick announcements. Uh, Wednesday nights, we're starting something new this coming Wednesday. Uh, we've run through some content uh, called That the World May Know, and I want to try something different on Wednesday nights. We're going to be looking at a video documentary called Against the Tide. It's about two hours, so we'll probably do it in half-hour sections. And this is really a documentary interview with a mathematician, actually, by the name of John Lennox. And uh, he's a um, uh, fantastic debater. He's debated uh, Richard Dawkins and... Uh, Sam Harris and all of the leading uh, atheists of the day, and a mathematician uh, by training, and a fantastic communicator, and he uh, presents Christianity in a, in a fashion out in the university campuses and so on, uh, through debates and, and all of that, and I think it, the content of this video is so well done, it's not too highbrow. Um, so it's not like, well, I don't understand anything he's saying. But uh, this is something great for young people, uh, teens on up. You will really enjoy this content. If you've got friends who are coming from a different perspective, whatever, atheism, you know, or aloof to the whole thing, maybe they're a nun, which is the leading religion in North America right now, just no religion. Um, and this would be interesting for them. We're going to do this on Zoom. And where, you know, it doesn't matter a person's religious background or whatever, I think they'll really, really enjoy it and, uh, and probably learn uh, something at the same time as uh, Lennox presents the, the case uh, for Christianity in this kind of documentary interview uh, style. It's very good, very, very well done, and uh, not dry or, you know, drab or boring at all. So if you want to join in with us, I will send out the Zoom link on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. 
And uh, it's a great time. We have a lot of fun on Wednesday nights. There's a lot of participation uh, on the screen. So if you want to be a part of this, uh, just wait for the link, and I will send that off to you. Uh, if you say, well, you don't have my information, Pastor, how are you going to send this off to me? Uh, I can get your information if you uh, allow me to do so. If we can get that ticker going on the screen, my technician is running, okay? So if you text reach the one to 514-900-0130, I will be able to uh, get you onto our electronic list and send you all of that info, okay? Uh, next announcement for you is, of course, that next Sunday, the 30th of May, we are going to be back here at Cineplex with people in the room. We will always stream uh, as long as we have the technology, we will continue to do that, but we are going to have people here, and we'll have a guest speaker, uh, Pastor Charles Porter, who attends our church with his family uh, from the Assemblies of God in the U.S., and now here in Quebec. He's doing all kinds of things here with our District of Quebec and so on. I'll let him introduce himself to us next week, but he will be speaking, and uh, you do have to register for this. We do have the 25-person limit. At May 30th in June, it should increase, and we should be able to allow more people in the room, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe food and refreshments as well. We'll see, okay? But you want to use our website at citypointchurch.ca to register for the 30th of May, okay? Parents, I'll just put this on the screen quickly, making the BibleComeAlive.com. Hope you've been using this tool. Uh, to work with your kids as, you know, things are different and they're at home. I, I hope that's good for you and it's helpful for you. And uh, really for the whole family, this, this dynamite uh, streaming uh, presentation, The Chosen, uh, free, all crowdfunded, and uh, wow, looking forward to episode number five, which I think is coming out tonight. So that's great stuff for you to watch. And uh, thank you for your generosity you are giving um, throughout all of this, say, over a year. As we feel like we're starting to reach the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, you know, it takes faithful people to to keep everything running. So thank you for doing that. And uh, yeah, so we're uh, in part six here on Pentecost Sunday of this series on the book of Hebrews called Losing My Religion. We're going to talk about milk to solid food today. Milk to solid food. You say, what are you talking about? What's that mean? Well, uh, just looking at really at three passages of Scripture today, the bulk of it from the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 5, verses 7 to 14. And uh, I'll read a few verses there and give you some context, some background as to where we're coming from. Uh, if you remember last week, we were talking about temptation and how because we have Jesus as our so-called high priest, one who was tempted in every way, but yet did not sin, we can come to God boldly and with courage to obtain grace and mercy in our time of need. So we talked about temptation uh, last week. And in that, in that context, talking about this idea of this high priest, uh, the author of the book of Hebrews uh, continues, and he, he's going to get very, very direct here. Uh, with his audience. So uh, starting um, at verse 7, um, during the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. We're talking about the deity of Christ 
but also the humanity of Christ at the same time. And once made perfect, this is the author's way of talking about the crucifixion, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Say, what's a Melchizedek? What Melchizedek? I thought you were talking about milk to solid food. Who's that? What kind of crazy name is that? Well, probably Pastor Charles is going to touch on Melchizedek a little bit next week. You don't have to worry about him today. Now, verse 11. We have much to say about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you. Because you no longer try to understand. Wow, he's going to get strong with his audience here. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Wow, it's a very, um, a very strong, almost like a criticism uh, that he has for these people. Uh, but he continues, or sorry, uh, I'll give you another passage dealing with milk uh, uh, from the New Testament. It may be from the same person. If it's Paul who wrote Hebrews, we're not sure. But Paul certainly wrote 1 Corinthians, and here's what he says to them. Uh, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. Remember, it's Pentecost Sunday today. I'll explain that soon. But as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ. Wow, sounds like another criticism. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Instead, you are still not, uh, indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. How? Since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Paul and Apollos, uh, leaders in the church at that time. And then uh, Peter addresses the same theme of milk from 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, rid yourselves of all malice, and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That's pretty well the New Testament's little packaging on this idea of milk and solid food. And you say, boy, two out of the three passages are critical of the people. I want to talk to you about this theme, milk to solid food, and what it means and how it works in our lives today. If you're familiar with raising a child, then you know what milk to solid food is, and that's 
obviously the analogy that's being drawn on here. When an infant, when you have an infant, you can't give it solid food. It doesn't have any teeth. <laughs> and probably if you try to give that little baby solid food too early, you're probably going to cause more harm than good. You're probably going to cause problems in that little baby's life. And so there's a way that you slowly get the child off of milk and onto solid food. Um, and, you know, that's an interesting process, and it's, you know, a little different for every child, but that's the obvious expectation that every parent has is that they're going to get their child off of milk and onto solid food. If they cannot do that, then there's, a, there's an enormous, enormous problem. And there's something wrong, something dreadfully wrong if you can't get that baby onto solid food, right? And so this is a normal, natural uh, expectation and process when you raise children. And the authors here are trying to say, well, that's the image that we're using for growth in your spiritual life. Milk or solid food and moving from milk to solid food. It's a it's an analogy for becoming spiritually mature and growing up spiritually. I like the phrase that Peter uses, grow up in your salvation, right? So uh, this question of growth for the Christ follower, is it really happening? How does it happen? And what does it look like? Um, and it helps sometimes to look at some of the ideas about spiritual maturity that are not true. Uh, because people, especially church-going folks, have all kinds of ideas of what spiritual maturity is. And some of those ideas are false, all right? And these passages address that. Uh, falsity number one is something like this. Spiritual maturity is too difficult for me. Uh, it's too hard. I mean, that's, to become spiritually mature, that's for, you know, pastors or ministers or evangelists or clergy or, you know, maybe Sunday school teachers or people like that. But it's not for the common person. It's not for me. Uh, it's too difficult. I have too much to do. And so growing spiritually is kind of something that's way off on the, you know, 10th level of priority for me. It's not something that really I'm even interested in. This is a false idea. Uh, this is um, even a dangerous idea because the implications in these passages is that not only is it expected that you grow spiritually, um, but it's necessary for you to grow spiritually the same way it's necessary for an infant to grow spiritually. So it's not an optional thing. It's not doesn't seem to be reserved for special Christians to, to grow spiritually. No, it seems to be an expectation that whoever wrote Hebrews and uh, Paul who wrote Corinthians and Peter who wrote first and second Peter, it's an it's an expectation for everybody. And it should be the process for everybody. The question is, is it happening? But we cannot get out of it by saying, this is just too hard. This is just too difficult, you know. I mean, you, you think of people in the, in, in the natural world, so to speak, uh, and when they want to achieve something, let's say they want to uh, compete at a certain level, and, uh, you know, it's hard. <laughs> they want to go to a certain level of education. They want, it's hard. It's difficult. 
And they don't use the excuse, well, it's just too hard for me. If they want it, they do it. And they do whatever it takes to do it. And they'll find a way to make it happen. Because for them, it's, no, this isn't an optional thing. This is a necessity. This is the goal that I have. And I will do what I need to do to achieve that goal. I think the problem sometimes is spiritual maturity isn't even a goal for, for people anymore. People come to church or watch a stream and so on, and they say, well, that's it. That's my Christianity, and that's my sort of spirituality. But this passage, especially in Hebrews, seems to be pushing people uh, to get beyond that and get to a place where they say, hey, spiritual maturity is a priority for me. It's not just an option or something on the 10th level of my to-do list. Um, uh, falsity number two, and this is the one that I've heard the most over oof, about 30 years, and uh, it's this, this view, I am not being fed by my church. I've heard people say, I don't get any meat in my church, uh, or, you know, my pastor doesn't preach meat, it's just milk, and, you know, the messages are weak, or the, you know, this level of spirituality is weak, and there's no meat, and there's this kind of criticism that's, that's put forth. Well, if you look at these passages, actually the reverse is true, where the author of Hebrews and, and Paul, who wrote Corinthians, is saying, you know, the problem is that you're still on milk. I want to give you solid food or meat in some translations, but you are not ready for it. And so these authors were gauging their assemblies and the people who they were writing to, and they found that they were not able to handle what they may have turned around and criticized uh, their leadership about. So the, re the reverse is true. The implication is it's the responsibility of the individual Christ follower to learn to eat and to learn to have solid food and to move from milk to solid food in their spirituality. They can't put the blame on somebody else or they can't say, well, you know, it's the church's fault or it's the pastor's fault or it's the Sunday school teacher's fault or whatever. No, the responsibility is yours. Just as it ultimately a person has to learn to pick up the food themselves and feed them self. So it seems like these passages put the responsibility square on the individual and they can't abdicate that responsibility to something else. Uh, another false idea that I've seen is that people think that age means spiritual maturity. So, you know, people in their 80s are more spiritually mature than people in their 20s. That's sometimes true just by coincidence, but it's not always true. I've seen people in their 80s who are spiritually still on milk and people in their 20s who are on solid food. I've seen the reverse. These passages don't address age at all. It seems to be purely uh, uh, incidental that sometimes people who are physically older may be more spiritually mature. These passages don't address age at all. They do address something else. 
but they don't address age. So don't, don't think to yourself, well, you know, <laughs> when I get older, I'll be more mature spiritually. No, if you don't do what you need to do to be more mature spiritually now, when you're older, you'll be just as spiritually on milk as you are now, right? There's, a, there's something that you have to do to get from A uh, to B. Another uh, little myth that I've seen, and this is kind of the same as the previous one, it relates to kids. You know, and this idea that, well, it's the church's job, it's the Sunday school teacher's job to, to you know, teach my kids about God. I don't have time for that. That's why I bring them to church. They come for an hour, and, you know, I'm hoping that they learn the whole God thing, and that's it. And I don't have to do that because I bring them there. <laughs> the, the opposite is true. What the church is supposed to do is to work with the parents, give the parents tools and resources to partner with parents in the discipleship of their children and get them moving from milk to solids. But the church can't do everything. The church can do something. The community of faith can do something. But ultimately, the parents have to take the lead in their child's lives, right? So constantly, uh, the, these, these passages are putting the immediate responsibility on guess who? on us, on the individual. Uh, another one that I've seen, if you're attending church or you're watching a stream, whatever the case may be, and you're tithing, which means you're actually giving money to your church and you're baptized, uh, let's say baptized in water, we'll talk about spirit baptism soon, um, that means you're mature. So you have to be, right? You, because you come and you give money and you're baptized. So you have to be mature. Not necessarily true. I've seen people who give money and who come every week and who are baptized and they're not spiritually mature at all. They're still on milk. You can't give them solid food. They're not ready for solid food. They're still on milk. Those are important things. Those are good things. Those things are part of a bigger process uh, that we'll get into. But those things in and of themselves are not indicators uh, that a person is spiritually mature. They're good things. But that doesn't necessarily mean a person is spiritually mature. Uh, when you look at the passages, you see what spiritual maturity really looks like. And you can almost think of two different kinds of diets and two different kinds of results from those diets. Uh, if you want to look at it in, in those simple terms. So you've got the people who are on milk. And two out of three of the references are not good. So... Um, one of them is, is okay, the one from Peter, talking about ridding yourselves of malice and so on, like newborn babies crave spiritual, pure milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So it's the start of growing up. The baby is craving milk, right? Those of you moms, you know, when your baby is hungry and your baby wants milk, whether you're, whether you're nursing or whether you're using formula, whatever, if the baby's hungry and craving milk, you're like, yes, this is good. This is healthy. The baby is consuming milk. Yes, sir. But if that baby is never hungry and never craving, then you get worried. You say there's something is not right. There should be this hunger for that milk. And this is what Peter is alluding to. It's the start of growing up. 
But Paul in Corinthians and whoever wrote Hebrews look at it in a different way. So if you're on milk, uh, there's a, an implication for sure in 1 Corinthians that there's jealousy, that there's quarreling. If people are on milk and they're just on milk forever, they're going to behave in an immature fashion. So the behavior is the indicator. There's jealousy, there's quarreling among you. There's what I'll call superstar Christianity. And we see this a lot today where people become almost rabid followers of particular Christian superstars. And uh, that's all they listen to, and that's all they follow. Those, those are the conferences they go to. Those are the books that they read. Those are the videos they watch. It's evangelist so-and-so. It's pastor so-and-so. And you talk to them about Jesus, and it's like, well, yeah, but pastor so-and-so said this, and evangelist so-and-so said this, and apostle so-and-so said this, and prophet so-and-so said this. And so that's who we follow. And that's this kind of superstar Christianity. Paul dealt with the same thing. He says, one says, I follow Paul. One says, I follow Apollos. Or you're not acting like mere people. You're just, you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. That's people who are still on milk when they should have moved on to maturity and to solid foods. Uh, the author of Hebrews, he says, well, if you're still on milk being an infant, you're not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Wow, that is a bit scary. Uh, you, can't, you can't grasp that. And he implies that you can't distinguish easily good from evil either. Because he says the righteous can, or the people who are on the solid food can do that. Implication, the people who are still on milk can't. And that's pretty scary because we live in times today where uh, good and evil are all mixed up. And there are things that are clearly evil that people don't think are evil anymore. And things that are clearly good that people don't think are good anymore. It's all mixed up. And the author of Hebrews is trying to say people who are on solid foods, they can distinguish good from evil. It's a bit of a scary um, idea there. So those on solid food, acquainted with the teaching about righteousness and can distinguish good from evil. So it's obvious what, what he's saying here and what uh, Peter's saying, what Paul is saying, is that there's a change in the behavior, in the characteristics of a person when they've moved from uh, milk to solid food in their spirituality. Their behavior changes. Their characteristics change. The things they say change. The things that they do change. Um, who they follow changes. Their ability to distinguish good from evil changes. Their understanding of righteousness and what it really means changes, right? So that's what you want to see if you want spiritual maturity in your life. The question is how? How does one progress from milk to solid food, and I use the illustration of the smoothie. Um, and some of you, you, you know, you make a smoothie, and, and it's your breakfast, or it's your lunch, or it's your supper, or it's whatever. And I like to use this analogy of a smoothie for your spirituality and your spiritual growth because it's easy. Um, you, there has to be a bigger process that you intentionally engage in 
if you want to move from milk to solid food. It doesn't just happen. It's not like you just do nothing and you grow. That doesn't work in any area of life. So it's not going to work in your spiritual life either. You have to do something about it if you really mean business and you really want to see yourself grow spiritually. So I'm going to put a whole sort of smoothie of stuff on the screen here. And these are kind of the ingredients and you mash them up and you mix them up and you blend them up. They don't all occur at the same time. They, they, there's no sequence here. There's no real priority here. But it's all, all these things mixed together are what's important. It's not that you do these things and this means that you're spiritually mature. It's that doing these things are part of a bigger process. And that's what people miss. Um, so do you read? And when I say read, do you read the Bible? Are you on a diet of the Bible? Do you actually pick the Bible up? And actually read the Bible. I'm not talking about following this preacher or this pastor or this video or this apostle or this prophet. I'm talking about you picking up the Bible and reading it for yourself. Is that a part of your routine? Is that a part of your life? I was talking to somebody this week and, and they're working through uh, discussions with some extended family about the famous vaccine. And, or vaccines. Now we have three or four of them, you know, worldwide. And the position of the other side was, you know, the vaccines, the antichrist, the vaccines got a microchip in it, the vaccines, the mark of the beast, and so on and so on. And, and this person sounds like they may actually be high risk if they were to actually contract um, uh, SARS-CoV-2. They actually might get the disease uh, of COVID-19. And uh, so the person's trying to reason with them. And, they, and, and some of what they're saying is, well, the pastor says not to take it. The pastor in whatever country, I won't name it, says not to take the vaccine. And so the pastor said it, so that must make it true. <laughs> it's not whether the pastor says it. What does the, what does the Bible say about whatever subject? What, what are you getting from your personal Walk with God, yours, not somebody else's view, not somebody else. What are you getting from it? That's when you start taking a fork and putting it into the solid food and putting it in your mouth yourself. You're not being spoon-fed. Nobody's putting milk in your mouth anymore. You've got the fork in your hand. You figured out how to use a fork. You take it, you put it in the food, and you put it in your mouth. That's what, that's what that means, okay? Do you pray? So do you talk to God? Again, not somebody else talking to God for you, but you talk to God. You develop communication with God yourself, your way. doesn't have to be somebody else's way. You don't have to play, pray King James English. You don't have to pray like the pastor. You don't have to pray like the evangelist or the apostle or the prophet or the bishop or the priest. You pray the way God made you, and you communicate with God. Do you do that? That's part of moving from milk to solid food. Do you, I'll put it this way, show up? Community of faith, maybe it's a small group. 
Maybe it's an online experience. Now we do things online, right? This is now the new thing. But whatever, do, do you show up? Are you there? Or is it like, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't really go to church, and I don't really do any. It's just, well, I'm a Christian. No, do you show up? Are you part of some type of community of faith, right? Do you serve? Do you do something somewhere? Do you use the abilities and the gifts and the resources that God gave you? Do you use them somewhere doing something? Maybe it's in your church context. Maybe it's in your broader community context. Maybe it's in a Christian thing. Maybe it's in a non-Christian thing. doesn't matter. Do you use what God gave you? Do you serve? That's part of taking the fork and putting it in the solid food and putting it in your mouth. That's, that's what you put in your smoothie. Do you serve? Do you give? Serving, you use your time, your talent. But do you give? Do you, do you have something and you give that something away? Typically, that's money, all right? Money still, still does things. Do you, do you give? Do you say goodbye to some of what you have and give it away? Do you practice the stewardship of your money where you realize this is not mine and a portion of it I am giving away? You want to use a fancy word? I'll use the word tithing, okay? That's a word we use in church context. That's a tenth. Most people in most churches do not tenth. They do about a third. Uh, not, not, sorry, not a third. Um, uh, about point, uh, what is it? If a tithe is 10%, they do like 0.3% or something like that. Or Sorry, 2%, not 10%. That's what most people in most churches do, all right? So, I don't want to fight with you about that. I'm just saying, do you give away some of what you have? That is part of your whole recette, your whole smoothie for you to grow. Have you been baptized? And now you say, well, okay, so there's a bunch of do's that you have to do to see that you're spiritually mature. No, you can do all these things and still not be spiritually mature. I'll show you how in a moment. But are, have you been baptized? Have you been baptized in water? That means you go into the water, you come out of the water. It's an indication. You're, you're saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. The old me has died. The new me has come. It's a symbol of the transformation in your life that's taken place through Christ? Have you been baptized in water? Have you been baptized in the Spirit? Seeing as it's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is a Jewish holiday uh, called Shavuot in their whole system. Uh, they, in the way that they look at it, at least right now, it is the anniversary of Moses on Mount Sinai and the giving of the law and the commandments. That's the way they celebrate it today. Back in Bible times, it was a harvest holiday. Essentially, think of uh, 50 days after Passover, there was a special wave offering where a certain type of, of wheat had to be waved before the Lord. People had to go and make an appearance at the temple, and there was a very special offering uh, to celebrate the harvest. Well, in the New Testament, uh, Shavuot, or Pentecost, is the anniversary of the harvest of people when the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts. The people were filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit. The church was born. 
You have 3,000 people who, who become uh, uh, converted in one day, uh, but the, it's the birth of the new community, the harvest of people. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for the power to be a witness for Jesus. Have you been baptized in the Spirit? This is part of your your spiritual growth smoothie. It's part of taking the fork and putting it in the meat and put, picking it up, putting it in your mouth. Are you accountable? I'll use, a, I'll use a, a, a term that people don't like today, but it's a term, membership. Are you a member of a faith community? Doesn't mean you just come and go. It means you're accountable. When you become a member, it means, uh-oh, Somebody knows my name, so I'm accountable. I'm accountable to a belief system. I'm accountable to a way of living. I'm accountable to this community now if I decide to become a member. That's a really, really good spiritual discipline. Do you fast? A lot of Christians don't fast anymore, uh, meaning you don't eat for a period of time because you want to focus on God for a particular need, a particular reason. And so you say, well, I'm going to forego eating so that I can focus on whatever this thing is and bring this thing to God. It's a great discipline. Do you share? In other words, do you share your faith? Do you talk about your Christianity with other people? Do you actually tell people that you're a Christian? Wow, that's a that's a re that's a really good piece of solid food to take and to because when you do that, do you, wow, do you ever you better mean business if you're going to start telling other people, right? They might challenge you back, they might push you back. Do do you share? Uh, it's it's great to be in this room. Um, in the month of August, we are, we are, we are going to do a little bit of sharing. We're going to do our back-to-school bash, which is a school bag giveaway. Uh, the last time we did it, I think, was 2019. We had like 400 people who jammed into whatever theater it was down the hall. This year, we won't be able to jam people in, uh, most probably, but we're still going to do the event, and we're still going to give out school bags, and we're still going to present the gospel to, to parents and to their kids, that's part of sharing, right? Do you share? And here's the last one. It's often missed. Do you seek resistance? You say, what do you mean? That sounds very, very self-destructive. No. Do you seek resistance? Because growth happens through difficulty. Teeth get developed through chewing on solids. If you never chew on solids, you may have some problems with your teeth developing properly because they've got nothing and they have no resistance. You even see this in the animal kingdom. Go buy yourself a puppy and watch how that puppy chews through everything. Why do they do that? Because it develops their teeth. So are, do you seek resistance in the sense of is your general posture toward difficult things in life, run out of there, get out of there. A Christian should never have problems. A Christian should never have difficulty. Get out, get out, get out. I want the easy life. Or do you seek resistance as a general posture? In other words, you say, if resistance comes, let it come because resistance will grow me. 
spiritually. Difficulty will grow me spiritually. In the end, though it is painful, though it hurts, though I suffer, at the end of it, there's an opportunity for me to grow. And I'm not saying do crazy things and be self-destructive, but it's a general posture. You see this in the book of Acts in the New Testament. The people would go, they would share the message of Jesus, the message of the resurrection. What would happen? They would be opposed. There would be resistance to their message. Most of the time, they didn't run from it unless they knew, you know, if we stay in this town, it's, it's over. We better get out of there because we're going to lose our lives. You know, sometimes you see them escaping from a given place, but most of the time, their posture was, if difficulty comes, if um, resistance comes, if opposition comes, let it come. I will continue to posture myself to share the message of the good news and this opposition, this difficulty, this persecution, this suffering, whatever it is that has kind of been dumped on me, I'm not going to run away from it and escape it. I'm going to walk through it with God because... Not because it's fun, not because you're self-destructive or, or sadistic, but because you know at the end of it, you will grow. That's the way athletes grow. That's the way people in, in just about any walk of life who have achieved a certain level of excellence, they will tell you they got there through difficulty. That it was difficult moments and resistance and pain and mistakes and errors and getting, falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up and three steps forward and two steps backward. That pushing, 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 pressing into that resistance and that opposition is what grew them more than anything else. So many people, that's their testimony because that's the way that it works. Now, you take all of these things and you introduce them into your life and you be intentional about them. No, they're not a guarantee. They're not these little things. Okay, now I know that I'm spiritually mature now that I'm doing these things. No, but what happens with all of these things is that you get fruit. Now, normally you put fruit in a smoothie, but you use this spiritual recipe and you, what's going to happen is you get fruit out of your life. That's the image the Bible uses. There's fruit, there's behavior change. The characteristics of your life change, just like Paul uh, says to these Corinthians, you know, these people who are still on milk, they're worldly, they're, they're jealousy, quarreling, superstar Christianity, Author of Hebrews, he says, ah, but those who are on solid food, they can, they, they understand righteousness, you see. They can distinguish between good and evil. There's a characteristic change that happens in these people. And you can look at so many things that Jesus said when he talked about fruit. You could talk about Paul and Galatians and the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These things come out of a person's life, not just by magic, not automatically, but because that person is growing. They've moved from milk to solid food. It seems like back in the first century, 
the overall frustration of these writers were that their audience was not getting it. And they, were, they, they, they had to be pushed. They had to be kicked. They had to be criticized. They had to be told to grow up. They had to be told you're not where you should be. It's scary because what does that mean for us today, 20 centuries later? Are we any better? I'm not so sure. Maybe we've had a lot of time uh, under our belt compared to them, but I'm not sure we're any better. It has to become a priority in our lives to grow, to grow spiritually. That's really one of the reasons uh, why we planted this church in the first place about five years ago uh, was, was this, whole, this whole process, really. Uh, I mean, my wife and I, my family, we spent uh, decades, probably the better part of 30 years in a large church. But the, the, our heart was always the same. We've got to be stretched. We've got to be pulled. We've got to be challenged. There has to be resistance. There has to be uh, doing things, learning things that you don't know how to do. And you're pushed, 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 stretched, stretched, stretched. And we got to a point where it's like there's no more stretch. So uh, we live in this, in this community in the South Shore. I've lived here for a long time. And wow, there's not a lot of churches here. There's not a lot of gospel witness here. Wouldn't it be interesting to plant a new church in the English language in, in this place? Wouldn't that be a challenge? Wouldn't that be pushing up against the wind? I mean, wouldn't that, that would be a real risk, wouldn't it? Yeah, it sure would. That sounds really, really exciting. And that's why we did it. And the whole raison d'etre of our church, the whole purpose statement, to reach the one who is far from God. You want to know if you're spiritually mature or not? Are you reaching people who are far from God? Is there one person, one person, who is now a Christ follower because even in part because of your influence. Even one person. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. How about one disciple? That's a real test of your spiritual maturity to reach the one who is far from God so that together we would become passionate followers of Jesus. What do passionate followers of Jesus do? They reach the one who's far from God, right? It's like, a, it's like a cycle, you see? And I don't think we've even scratched the surface. If I'm being candid, you know, about five years now, it'll be five years in September, I don't even think we've scratched the surface. There is so much more to do. But it starts with us as individuals being challenged to say, are we going to grow or are we just going to do blah, blah, blah? You know, we watch online run services, you know, or are we actually going to grow and have purpose? That's what happens. And, you know, today, Pentecost Sunday, that's what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. There is a passion that happens. I could spend 45 minutes talking about speaking in tongues and, you know, explaining all of this from the scripture. There is a passion that happens to a spirit-filled individual. It's not just about speaking in another language in your devotional life. That's, that's, a, uh, that's an incidental, minimal thing. There is a passion to share the message of the resurrected Christ with people. That's what happens. That's what Pentecost is all about. 
the power of the Spirit to share all part of your smoothie, all part of taking the fork and putting the solid food right in your mouth. So my challenge to you, if the band uh, could come up and get ready to play you guys whatever you want, my challenge to you today is are you on, are you on milk when you know you should be beyond that? There's a time for milk. Peter says it, crave pure spiritual milk like newborn babies. You're hungry, you're hungry, you're hungry, you're hungry. But there's a time where you say, all right, now I've got to move toward solid food. Are you in that place of it's only been milk and it's been milk for a long, long, long time? And maybe that you're frustrated with that. It's, it's become just confusing to you. And you say, oh, there needs to be a change now where my maturity is becoming a priority now. Uh, and maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe you're, you say, well, I'm on solid food. Good. If you're on solid food, then keep doing what you're doing. Keep on adding to that smoothie. There's so many people who need to be reached. There is so much need just in your own backyard, in your own neighborhood, in your own community, your own workplace, on your own job site, in your own school. Hundreds, thousands of people who are in need of what you have. Uh, so this Pentecost Sunday, I want to pray for you uh, that the power of the Spirit would, uh, would motivate and challenge us to go further. Lord, we thank you for your word today, simple images of milk and solid food. But God, we pray that it would be practical in our lives. Wherever we are at, Lord, wherever, whatever our age and stage in life it is by the power of the Spirit that you can work through men and women, young and senior, regardless of social class, regardless of, of uh, where we are in life. God, you can use each person. But God, help us to be growing. Help us to be following and to be putting you first in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ have regarded my helpless soul. 
play whatever they want for those of you who are still on the stream I know you like to listen to them so we will turn it over to them just one quick announcement before uh, I go and that is remember to register for May the 30th uh, next Sunday morning we'll be right here in Cineplex and uh, Pastor Charles Porter will be speaking so remember to do that God bless you have a great great Sunday and week ahead happy Pentecost Sunday aka Shavuot it is well with my soul. God bless you, everyone.